the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to The Firing Line with Rick Travis, Legislative Director for the California Rifle and Pistol Association. The Firing Line radio show is brought to you by Turner's Outdoorsman, CCW Safe, Vortex Optics, Cutting Edge Bullets, and the California Rifle and Pistol Association. Good. Bad. I'm the guy with the gun. And now, your host, Rick Travis. Good afternoon, patriots. Welcome to Firing Line Radio. I'm your host, Rick Travis, the Legislative Director for the California Rifle Pistol Association, Welcome you to Firing Line Radio today. I'm here with Kevin Small. He's our Grassroots and Advocacy Director. And we're going to be talking to you about everything from legislation from last year that's coming back in January. We're going to be looking at some of the things that are going on and taking place come January 1st. They're going to change the way you do business around firearms, hunting, etc., and all the different sports. And then we'll be talking about how you can stop this madness and help us out. So first, realize the California Rifle Pistol Association spends a lot of time, a lot of money, only organization in the state with a full-time dedicated lobbyist other than gun owners of California inside the Capitol. And so uh, I work very closely with Sam Prez from Gun Owners of California. He's been on a, a frequent guest on the show. But we have some things coming up, and these are what are known as two-year bills. Some of these good, some of these bad. We're going to go through them lightly just to kind of let you know this is the starting point. We're not even talking about the estimated portion of over 1,700 bills that will be introduced in the first four weeks of the new year. So, and those aren't all, 1,700 aren't obviously directed towards us, but there'll probably be a portion of somewhere between 40 and 70 bills that will be positioned towards us. So one of the things we're going to try to do is educate you on kind of like what some of the strategies are. So I'm going to, I'm going to talk first about a really good friend in neighboring Orange County, Assemblyman Ta, former mayor of Westminster, came out last year with Assembly Bill 27. It's a two-year bill, but this bill, Kevin, I think you remember me calling you. It lasted 20 minutes in session. Reggie Jones-Sawyer, looked at him and said, how dare you say we're not going to talk about gun control, instead talk about crime control, which is what Assemblyman Thaw was pushing, and said, so welcome to being a freshman. And he literally said, that's it. That was it. Like, killed the bill in the first committee, just because Assemblyman Thaw had the audacity, Kevin, to go, Yeah, who thought... After criminals. (laughs) Who thought that... uh... Whoever thought that accountability would be a good way to to run a justice system? So uh, this was the bill that would have prohibited a court from uh, dismissing firearms-related enhancements on their judgment. Uh, but I, I think that the more important thing here that we need to look at is persistence. You know, we just went through 
what is it, Rick? You, I mean, you, you've been talking about it, seems like forever, seven or eight years of anti-Second Amendment legislators trying to impose an 11% excise tax on right. firearms, firearms-related parts, and ammunition. And after the eighth year of doing it, they finally got it passed. I, I mean, the arguments didn't change. Uh, no. What ends up changing is the, the makeup of the legislative body, right? Uh, there's no reason why the pro-Second Amendment side can't do that. Uh, so you're talking it was on the floor for 20 minutes last year. If it doesn't get through this year, that shouldn't necessarily stop us from trying to push forward this sort of legislation, right? Yeah, I mean, you're exactly right. I mean, the the old adage, the, the squeaky wheel gets oiled. The Dems have really pushed out hard up in the Capitol, and they run things year in and year out. And I watch staff. Staff gets worn out with it, starts talking, going, maybe we should just vote for it so we don't have to look at it anymore. And I really feel that on uh, Assembly Bill 28 last year, which is what gave us this 11% excise tax, that's exactly how they pulled it off. They just wore everybody down. So I guess, and, and you know, we're, we're probably going to get to this in the latter segments, but you know, so what what might end up being able to change that is changing the legislative body, which is why we are constantly pushing to get people registered to vote, to have the Second Amendment as a top priority when you're going to the ballot box and to pay attention to these politicians. You know, it's not just about paying attention to the ones who are currently running. It's also about paying attention to what they're doing in their office. And that's something that I know we're focusing on on our voter guide that's going to be coming out pretty soon here. Well, speaking of diabolical bills like Assembly Bill 28 to give us 11% tax, it was written by Assemblyman Gabriel, who's just diabolical, and who has came out with Assembly Bill 29, which was the California Do Not Sell list. And what this is, folks, is there is a list of people that you can't sell a firearm to, that your FFL, um, if someone fills out their 4473 to buy a firearm, it immediately triggers and says, do not sell to this individual. And those are people that have all sorts of different crimes that disallow them from being able to, to buy. What this bill does is it allows you, a person, that maybe you're going through rough times, maybe, you know, you're not, you're not sure that you should ever own a gun. And so you would voluntarily be able to put yourself on this list. I don't know why you would do that, but let's say you did. There's not a real good way to ever take yourself off that list. So you're basically giving up your, your Second Amendment right forever if you put yourself on the list. And, you know, Kevin, I look at, you know, people when you're young, you're in college. I could see some left-leaning college professors really try to coax their, their students into doing this. And, you know, there's a lot of things that we all believed when we were in school that once we get into the real world, that's why you say, well, that's what they taught us in school, but that's not how it works in real world. I think this could be very, very damaging for a lot of people. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't help but chuckle uh, when I first read this. And and by the way, I mean, you could put into a category uh, just on Internet-based platforms, not just Assembly Bill uh, 29, uh, which, which would do what you said, but also Assembly Bill 1047, uh, which would similarly have you voluntarily uh, register on an internet-based platform the emails of other people that you are close to, and when you would go to purchase a firearm, it would notify those people. I think that there's a few different questions we have to ask ourselves once we're done looking at this laughable legislation. Is that, first of all, is the DOJ 
uh, able to even take something on like building internet platforms. You know, no. we, we've, we've seen registries tried before in the past and they have failed miserably. Uh, so what's to say that somebody is going to voluntarily put themselves on a do not sell list? Uh, th- this is this is kind of damaging. And then you look at the flip side of something like a gun violence restraining order. If there is somebody who has malicious intent against somebody, could they try to impersonate that person and get them on that list when that person wasn't voluntarily doing so themselves? Well, it goes it, it goes even a little deeper. Uh, this whole Big Brother attack from the state. When you look at like Senate Bill Two that passed, which is going after CCWs, one of the parts of that is if you're a party to a restraint order. Well, okay, let's let's kind of unpack that for a minute. What does it mean if you're a party? Well, party is the victim and the restraint order. You know, I'll, I'll just take a family member of mine. You know, if somebody tries to rape them or or do some other violent crime, they get a restraint order against a person. But the victim themselves is a party to it. Well, the way that bill is ran up, and I've been talking about this with sheriff's departments up and down the state, technically, the victim's a party, therefore, they don't have firearms rights. Well, wait, so let me get this right. I'm a victim, the very person that needs a firearm to defend myself, but because I got a restraint order against my attackers, I no longer can defend myself. Like, this is just how stupid this has gotten. Yeah, it's gotten really bad. And, and honestly, it's hard for me to even get past the first line of the legislation that says DOJ is required to. I can't tell you how many people I have talked to who stated to me that they couldn't get uh, a firearm or ammunition because background checks were taking too long. What's the answer to to these questions? Oh, DOJ is shorthanded. I have a hard time understanding why our legislature continues to pile on responsibilities to the Department of Justice, who is sort of floundering in trying to take on everything that they have in the first place. Look at the apps program uh, to start, ju- just to start. We continue to see this list of people on the apps program grow when it should be something that's diminishing. I don't understand why we keep piling on our DOJ. Yeah, and that's the problem. There's not enough staff, not enough money for the DOJ, and nor is there a way to get money to the DOJ if that was going to be the solution because we're looking at a state that's over $40 billion in debt. Um, you know, you just looked at how much money they projected they would get in the October tax filing, and it was like a fourth of what they thought they were going to get. So mismanagement of state funds and, you know, not dealing with reality of the recession, borderline depression, the state has really caused a lot of issues that we're going to look at. And, uh, you know, one, one of the things that I'm, we're going to come back and talk about a couple other critical bills that are going to be back up on these two year bills, but folks, I want to start with California Rifle Pistol Association sponsors this radio show. Um, we are very blessed to have uh, Phil Naiman, a very good friend of both our organization personally, to have uh, donated the show over to us to get it, to keep it going, to bring this information to you. But, folks, we're in the fight of our lives, and it's a good time to be fighting because we're winning. We just won. California Rifle Pistol Association did to bring gun shows back to California, and folks, we have gun shows in Orange County and other parts of the state that will be happening here at the first of the year. 
because we've won. But that win is not free. That win doesn't come from people just listening. That comes from people joining. So I encourage you to go to www.crpa.org, sign up today, and become part of this fight. Turner's Outdoorsman, California's number one hunting, fishing, and shooting sports retailer since 1971, now has 33 locations across California and one in Tucson, Arizona. Turner's is your one-stop shop for all your shooting sports and fishing tackle needs. We offer a full selection and unmatched prices on firearms, ammunition, gun safes, shooting accessories, archery equipment, and fishing tackle. Visit turners.com now and sign up for the Turner's Discount Club for free and get our weekly ads and members-only specials sent directly to your inbox. For more info to sign up for the Turner's Discount Club or to shop online, visit turners.com. Hi folks, Philip Naiman. If you're a concealed handgun carrier or have a firearm to defend your home and are forced to use your weapon for self-defense or the protection of a loved one, you'll be glad to have CCW Safe on your side. CCW Safe provides and pays 100% upfront defense funds for high-quality attorneys, expert witnesses, and the investigators you need following a critical incident with no reimbursement. And they do it all for one flat yearly fee starting at $179 a year. CCW Safe has permit and non-permit plans to protect California residents in this state and while traveling across the country. So check out their new ultimate plan with no caps on criminal and civil defense, $1 million for bond coverage, a dedicated $1 million for civil liability, and many other benefits. You defend your life. CCW Safe will defend your freedom and financial future. In California, CCW Safe has got you covered. So join now at ccwsafe.com. AM 590, the answer. This portion of the firing line is brought to you by Turner's Outdoorsman. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. See this? This is my boomstick. Welcome back to Firing Line Radio. I'm your host, Rick Travis, the legislative director for the California Rifle and Pistol Association. And with me today is Kevin Small, my ally and friend and and compatriot in Battle After Battle for Your Rights. He is the director of advocacy and grassroots. And we're talking about the two-year bills. These are the bills that we were able to stop last year that uh, can come back out of hiding in, in January. These are not new bills. These are bills that we've been fighting and continue to fight. And we're going to start off with one that um, to a lot of people, they haven't been following. But, Kevin, you were talking in the last uh, <clears throat> sequence about how they bring bills over and over. And 262 is a bill that started several years ago. It was a bill that um, had a young lady's name attached to it because she had passed away um, tragically in a swimming pool accident at a city camp during the summer. And uh, Senator Portentino ran it a couple of times, and his knee-jerk reaction was he was going to get to the bottom of everything that happened at a camp. And it literally listed everything from, you know, finger painting to horseback riding to going to a shooting range to doing high ropes courses, um, you know, dance, everything, because he wanted to make it safe. And, you know, I'm not knocking one to keep things safe, but I think sometimes when something tragic happens, we assume things aren't safe. And for one thing is, you know, I just look at the number of high school students in this state that participate in shotgun um, sports. And yet every year we have a million pulls of a shotgun. A million times the trigger goes 
click, boom. And we've had no accidents for decades, not just for a year, for decades. Um, and so that means the system's working. Doesn't mean it needs legislation to fix it. And so what has happened is AB 262 has been drilled down where initially ranges were like 20th on the list. Now it's number one on the list. And what it's called is a steady bill. And a steady bill for to educate everybody out there sounds really innocuous because it's like, oh, well, we're just studying. But what a study bill does is gives recommendations after two years. And those recommendations, generally speaking, become the low-hanging fruit for new pieces of legislation. Like recommendation one becomes a new bill. Two becomes a new bill. And, right. yeah, and this just goes after youth. But what people may not realize is once these things are established on the youth range, they're going to come after adult ranges. I think the important thing to to really consider here is that the people who are quote unquote studying this are not Second Amendment people. Uh, that right. that's that's the most important part of this. They are collecting a group of what they call stakeholders that do not include anyone whose interests are to make sure the Second Amendment stays protected in California. In well, fact, also, in most cases, I would argue quite the opposite. I would also push it a step further, Kevin. Um, you would want to use stakeholders that have familiarity with the very thing that you're, you're looking at, i.e. the actual stakeholders. And because they don't have that, they don't have the knowledge base of like CRPA's train department, which is 150 years old this next year, and has had 150 years worth of safety and yet not a stakeholder in this proposed legislation to say this is how we've done it right, which would actually mean it's going to get done wrong and it's going to be more dangerous, not less dangerous. But this is And this is a common practice that we see from people with an anti-Second Amendment agenda in the legislature or even at even in local government, uh, for that matter. You know, we see uh, boards of supervisors and city councils uh, taking ordinances from, you know, organizations like Moms Demand Action or Brady, uh, which is full of people who, for the most part, don't like firearms, don't carry firearms, but they're going to go ahead and write an ordinance about how they need to be stored properly. It's the exact same thing. They're, they're going to be taking advice from people who simply do not want to see firearms at those camps or on those ranges where a lot of great education happens. Uh, this is why I, I know I know that, Rick, you've been very vocal on this one over the last year, and we need to continue because we also can't forget that this is part of the, the agenda or the onslaught on the youth in California. They are eroding our Second Amendment and our constitutional rights simply by making sure that the youth don't know that they exist. You know, we, we saw this also with uh, AB 2571, which we have battled in court and will continue to battle in court. Uh, but they are trying to make sure that the youth don't even know these things are available to them because once you're in that fishbowl, you, you don't know that you don't have those rights. Yeah. Um, and, and going on that too, it's just a total disrespect that I see in the Capitol. And so, um, Assemblyman Alanis brought together Assembly Bill 293, which, uh, we totally have CRPA support. And this was called a lifetime hunting and sport fishing license for gold star family members. And I want to, I want to slow down a little bit. We have people across the country in 
and freedom-loving states and respectful states like Texas, Arizona, and others, where, you know, if you're a, a disabled vet or different things like that, there's a little di- some little differences, but they either get the license for free or next to it. Like, you know, I think my dad paid like 20 bucks for his, but it's a lifetime license to go hunt and fish. We all know people buy fishing licenses every year and never put a line in the water. We know people buy hunting licenses and because of, you know, life, things that happen, they don't get to go hunt. What really struck me was the tone was a complete, was completely uncalled for. And this is Veterans Week, you know, Veterans Day weekend, you know, um, that we're talking on the show. Technically today is Veterans Day, the 11th. And, you know, Here's what I want you to realize. Gold Star Family is not an award anybody wants to go get. You become a Gold Star Family because a member of your family did what every veteran has done, and that is wrote a blank check payable to the American people with their life when they joined. And that check got cashed. That person's not coming home. And then their family becomes a Gold Star Family. And what this bill said was, for your loss, California would waive the fee for a lifetime license. What is that? Well, depending on your age, if you're under 65, it's about $2,000. If you're over 65 as a Gold Star family member, because you're the mom, dad, whatever, what have you, yeah, it's probably about $1,400. Here's, here's the deal. Not every Gold Star family would apply for it. You'd have a small percentage like in anything else in life. But what did the horrible opposition run? Oh, well, California's had so many people that died in wars. This have bankrupt us. This coming from a group of people that just passed billions of dollars in legislation with a deficit. But when it came to those families who have paid the ultimate sacrifice for the very freedoms that allowed those jokers to be up in Excremento, Their answer was no. And so this bill will be coming back. I hope to see a lot of people involved in it, but there's got to be a lot of pressure put on this because this is a small way for California to say thank you for a debt that truly can never be repaid. Yeah, and it certainly uh, um, would be a a good gesture uh, from the state of California if they were to pass it. And I can tell you just in my experience, uh, Rick, I, I, I feel like you as a hunter, uh, would feel the same, but something that I've experienced very much in the hunting community, uh, is that passion for legacy. Uh, you know, hunters, uh, pass down, uh, information, knowledge, and wisdom from generation to generation. And you have to, you have to understand that in this case, if that wisdom isn't passed down already, it's not able to be passed down. We need to offer uh, you know, anything that we can for the next generation to be able to continue and be in that community. I know the hunting community is also great uh, about mentoring. Mm-hmm. So uh, this would be a great way to continue legacies within families, especially these gold star families. I think it's a great piece of legislation. Yeah, I think this is a, a, an issue. We're going to be coming back and folks talking to you about a couple other bills, but we're going to go moving into an area dealing with dogs. And I'm going to open it up as we close this sequence to say, look, 
you got to start realizing that they're coming up with some very creative ways to come after your rights of self-protection in the Second Amendment. And one of the new attacks that we're really seeing come to the forefront is going after man's best friend. That's dog. And they want to remove your dogs. Now, for those of you that have the little tiny dogs that you drive in strollers, you're okay. I'm talking about those of us that have sporting dogs that we can take hunting and dogs that you would use as guard dogs, watch dogs to defend yourself, to wake you up, to do things like that. There is a concerted effort in this state to remove those animals from your possession. Um, we've seen this for a couple of years now. We'll talk about that. But again, this is another area where the California Rifle Pistol Association is standing in the gap, making sure you learn about this, because otherwise, without us there, this stuff would get passed and you would have no warning to control the people who work for you, which is the politicians. Remember, it's we the people that run the state of California, not them, the 400 up in the Capitol. We'll be back on Firing Line Radio. Turner's Outdoorsman, California's number one hunting, fishing, and shooting sports retailer since 1971, now has 33 locations across California and one in Tucson, Arizona. Turner's is your one-stop shop for all your shooting sports and fishing tackle needs. We offer a full selection and unmatched prices on firearms, ammunition, gun safes, shooting accessories, archery equipment, and fishing tackle. Visit turners.com now and sign up for the Turner's Discount Club for free and get our weekly ads and members-only specials sent directly to your inbox. For more info to sign up for the Turner's Discount Club or to shop online, visit turners.com. AM 590, the answer. This portion of the firing line is brought to you by CCW Safe and the California Rifle and Pistol Association. Spartans, lay down your weapons! Persians, come and get them! Welcome back to Firing Line Radio. I'm your host, Rick Travis, the Legislative Director for the California Rifle and Pistol Association. With me today is Kevin Small, the Director of Advocacy and Grassroots. We're going through some two-year bills. We're going to wrap up, like we said in the last segment, with, hey, what are they doing to come after dogs? And, you know, for years when I came on the show to talk to Phil, I've always said there were three areas that they were trying to go after. One is your access to uh, ranges, access to the wide open public spaces, uh, areas like that, uh, access to ammunition, access to buying firearms. Then there's the actual use of them. And one of the other areas they're going after is dogs. And they have a two-pronged attack right now going on up there. And so there's two bills. Um, one is a little bit easier to kind of see. The other one's not so much. So I'll start off with the easy one, AB 742 by Assemblyman Jackson. is going after police canines. And so you might say, well, I'm not a cop, and I really don't care about that. Well, okay, slow the roll for a moment, folks, because here's some things you might want to care about. The first one is they're saying that we want to get rid of police canines because it's wrong for a dog to bite someone who's breaking the law. Now, wait a second. If it's wrong for a police dog that goes through a boatload of training with its handler to bite a criminal with a gun which is why they send the police dog in there to save human lives. The dog puts its life on the line initially. Then once they get this passed, what do you think is going to stop them from saying, and it's wrong from you to have your dog at home who's not as highly trained as a potential threat to someone breaking into your backyard? I mean, folks, watch what they've done in the legislature on 
why they let criminals out while they try to find ways to make you into a criminal. I mean, this is just common sense. Yeah, law, law enforcement is uh, generally where you see the exemptions for things like this in the in legislation. But here they are uh, going going after law enforcement specifically. And uh, th- this is kind of actually relatable to uh, some legislation that we've seen in the past and, and the way that the courts handle uh, home invasion shootings uh, or or potentially something that that uh, can happen with your CCW and where it really comes what where it really comes to fruition is the term, the terminology. Uh, uh, unless there is imminent threat of death, like what does that actually mean? So yeah. if if you have uh, if you have somebody who maybe has a firearm and is that threat of imminent death by itself? What if the dog is you know set to go and bite the person and he turns his back at the last moment? Is that threat of imminent death? So it, it, it really makes the law murky uh, and really opens a door for the courts to go after uh, police officers and their canine units. This is terrible legislation. Yeah. And, you know, and it goes it goes on to about, you know, talk about the handler and stuff. Well, yeah. I mean, at what point do you pull your dog off? Well, I'm not telling my dog to, to stop until I feel safe, till law enforcement's got there, till some like this. This is just it's really poorly written, but. Folks, they're going after those, but they're also going after, I mean, and we've seen legislation over the past few years where they tried to get it. So like if your dog was in the wrong area during the hunting season, which was really convoluted, that anybody could have the right to kill your dog just because it was in the wrong area and no recompense. We've seen, you know, trying to end the uh, ability for licensed breeders to be able to breed sporting dogs only, only sporting dogs. Well, why would that be? Well, that's because if you don't have a sporting dog, you can't retrieve the game that you've shot, namely bird and upland, you know, upland or waterfowl. And that then makes it so people can't go hunt. I mean, this is specifically backdoor legislation. One of them is also from Gabriel, again, but it's Assembly Bill 554, which allow a nonprofit to basically set up and assign their own people to go seize animals from people. And there was absolutely zero regulations. But, you know, somebody comes and says, oh, I'm from XYZ nonprofit. I'm taking your dog. Uh, no. And when you go to try to take my dog, I'm going to put my hand on you and say, back off. No, you're not taking my dog. And at that point, oh, wait, I just assaulted someone that's considered to have a quasi law enforcement role because I touched them. Yeah, like, this, <laughs> this legislation is is confusing. I mean, first of all, it kind of states in the legislation that anybody can anybody can create a nonprofit. Uh-huh. So what are going to be the limits to which nonprofits are actually uh uh viewed as a humane nonprofit or not? And then even more so, yeah, all it requires is a complaint. You know, if I don't like my neighbor's dog, I can call up and make a complaint to this random nonprofit that they're not being nice to their animal, which would give them the legal authority to come and take my animals for me. Uh, this is, this is really allowing for some chaos to, to ensue just in our neighborhoods. I, I know that it might, it might seem like there could be a place for this on paper, but this is one that just simply would not translate into the real world at all. And I think I think one of the things that we've got to start realizing, folks, is there's a lot of movement in the progressive left to turn us into a communist and socialist kind of background. When you look at how that played out just over 100 years ago in countries around the world, especially in Eastern Europe, 
you will find that these roving groups of people were empowered to go do things. They weren't regulated. A lot of horrific things happened to people. A lot of people lost their lives, lost their homes, lost everything. Um, so, you know, I know a lot of people have this grandiose that it never happened here, but I'm watching a lot of laws being attempted to pass against there, which brings us to some of the laws that are going to affect on January 1st. As a great example, there's nothing that says Big Brother like microphones and video cameras. And, you know, growing up in a time period that we literally came razor close to impeaching a president, forced him to resign, partially because, well, Kevin, he used video cameras and and taped, like the Nixon tapes there in Yorba Linda, not too far away from where we record, is like, that's a big thing to this day to go see the Nixon tapes. And yet, what is DOJ expecting every FFL to have in place in 2024, Kevin? You're talking cameras. You're not just talking cameras. You're talking high-resolution cameras, and you're also talking about uh, means or method for recording one year's worth of data from those cameras. So, yeah, th- this is uh, Senate Bill 1384. It's from the 2022 legislative session. It, it did have... Uh, some other things that already went into effect. But what is coming into effect in January of next year uh, is this portion. You, you may as well call it the let's try to put gun stores out of business uh, bill because uh, that seems what it that seems like, you know, what it's designed to do. Uh, we're looking at quotes right now and, and we at CRPA are trying to work with providers to make this as cost efficient as possible. You can check out the CRPA website. Uh, if you're on our mailing list, you've already received uh, an email on this. And we've also done a YouTube video about it. So you can check that out on YouTube as well. That's on CRPA TV if you search that on YouTube. Uh, but we're seeing estimates uh, that are running up to thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000 for the installation of these cameras for one business. Uh, there, there are plenty of businesses out there that just simply don't have the foot traffic to make that kind of profit for an upfront cost of $30,000 to be in compliance with the law. So what does that force people to do? That forces people to either shut down or take their chances. Uh, this is really not good for the firearms community because we might see a lot, a lot of uh, smaller FFLs struggle with this. Well, I, I know I was seeing with you in a meeting recently, and somebody at the meeting said, well, that, that 30000 is not like the upper number. There have been some small stores that spend twice that amount, sixty grand, And it's like coming up with $60,000, I mean, for most of us, um, we're, not, we're not paying $60,000 cash for a new you know, truck or a new vehicle. We, we want to spread that over several years, but that's not the way these systems work. Like you got to pay up front for them, like you're buying it all now, not making a payment plan. So um, this is very, very detrimental. Plus, you know, there's nothing else I go by that I have to be videotaped and recorded and and have everything checked. And yet this is yet another onerous way to try to destroy the firearms um, culture and ownership here in California. Yeah, and, and I, I guess it kind of seems like they just want that data in case. You know, how many instances do we actually see where the, where this sort of things happen? And how many instances is that footage helpful or not? Do you want a direct line to the police station with this, with this, like as a live feed or, or what? Uh, you know, it seems like you're really costing 
the firearms community in particular, a boatload of money for something that's just not going to be worth it. I don't know if you can identify that as a trend in California or not. I certainly have, but it, it really seems like this is just a malicious piece uh, that's meant to drive FFLs out of the state, specifically I mean, the yeah, home we, FFLs, because yeah, who we, wants to put a camera in their home where they conduct a transaction? Well, and it's, it's, you know, we've already seen a couple of stores up in Northern California. I mean, you and I were there at one when it was being closed down because they simply couldn't afford the system and the way the local government added on to the ideas in here to try to have it done. Folks, there is definitely a fight going on, and we're going to come back in this last segment and talk about what it means when it says, we the people, you know, in order to form a more perfect union. That needs to be revived in every single person's head coming into these March primaries and the November general election. And we're going to unpack that in the last segment here on Firing Mind Radio. Hi folks, Philip Naiman. If you're a concealed handgun carrier or have a firearm to defend your home and are forced to use your weapon for self-defense or the protection of a loved one, you'll be glad to have CCW Safe on your side. CCW Safe provides and pays 100% upfront defense funds for high-quality attorneys, expert witnesses, and the investigators you need following a critical incident with no reimbursement. And they do it all for one flat yearly fee starting at $179 a year. CCW Safe has permit and non-permit plans to protect California residents in this state and while traveling across the country. So check out their new ultimate plan with no caps on criminal and civil defense, $1 million for bond coverage, a dedicated $1 million for civil liability, and many other benefits. You defend your life. CCW Safe will defend your freedom and financial future. In California, CCW Safe has got you covered. So join now at ccwsafe.com. Turner's Outdoorsman, California's number one hunting, fishing, and shooting sports retailer since 1971, now has 33 locations across California and one in Tucson, Arizona. Turner's is your one-stop shop for all your shooting sports and fishing tackle needs. We offer a full selection and unmatched prices on firearms, ammunition, gun safes, shooting accessories, archery equipment, and fishing tackle. Visit turners.com now and sign up for the Turner's Discount Club for free and get our weekly ads and members-only specials sent directly to your inbox. For more info, to sign up for the Turner's Discount Club or to shop online, visit turners.com. AM 590, the answer. Welcome back to Firing Line Radio. This is your host, Rick Travis, the Legislative Director for the California Rifle and Pistol Association. With me today is Kevin Small, the Director of Advocacy and Grassroots. And we've been talking about all the bills that are coming back. Uh, this next year, not including the new bills that we'll hear about in January and February, of course, on the show. We've talked about some of the different attacks on the Second Amendment. We've talked about gun shows coming back and how you can get involved with CRPA on that. But now I'm going to focus on the elections with Kevin because we're out in the field working throughout the Inland Empire. We've been meeting with people um, all this previous week uh, to help out in the elections. And we're going to talk about some important dates. But I want to open it up with something that all of you have heard at some point in your education, but you need to really pause on this. And it's from a little document called the U.S. Constitution, where it says, in bold, they literally bolded this when they wrote it, we, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, 
and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, do ordain and establish this Constitution of the United States of America. Let me surmise a couple of things. We the people means you, I, everyone listening to this program, all the people not listening to the program around it. It means the people. It does not mean the representatives. It does not mean the people that run government agencies. Those are employees of we, the people. By the way, I don't care what generation you come from, it's not we the people being for us only right now. No, it's also for our posterity, those who will come after. There's an inherent responsibility that we the people are going to leave our country better, stronger, safer, and more economically viable for those that come after us than for ourselves. This isn't that old bumper sticker, I'm spending my child's inheritance. This is a concept that we leave an inheritance worthy of being left for those that follow after us. Folks, that's why voting is important. I hear the excuses. I don't want to serve jury duty. Well, there's a lot of things in life I don't want to do, but you know what? I've been around for a long time. I've served jury duty twice in my lifetime. Been called like a half dozen times, but only twice. And it wasn't that bad. It was interesting. I did my part. Folks, I would do it every year if it meant we didn't have to go through some of the stuff that we're going through. But we're going through it because we have the government we do because a lot of people think they don't vote. That is an inherent lie. Not voting is voting. You voted for the opposition when you didn't vote. Every vote counts. We saw several elections up and down the state where it was less than a couple of hundred votes to decide who was in office. So this lie that people have perpetuated, this absolute bold-faced lie of your vote doesn't count, is just that. It's a lie. Pushed by the other side. Don't listen to it. Now is the time to get off your seat. Many of you, and I know, Kevin, you hear this all the time, well, you know what, if I was in charge, dot, 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 I would, well, guess what, folks? There's a lot of open seats, including here in the Inland Empire, that no one has signed up to. You have till November 18th. That's literally a week away from today listening to this show that you have to go sign up, pull the paper, and run. Heck, you can might be the only candidate running because thus far, no one has even put their hat in the ring. This is how you make change. This is how we take back our state, our county. It's one city, one board. One whatever at a time. But the time is now. We have the opportunity and we can do it. So if you live in a red county like the IE and you're like, how'd that go blue? It went blue because people like you didn't stand up and make a change. Got any your thoughts? I, well, I was just going to say to, to add to the grand scheme, I, you know, if you're, if you're ever asking, uh, Maybe if you're new to the program and you're ever asking why people are so zealous within the, the firearms community, it's because we understand, you know, the First Amendment isn't necessarily going to protect you from a tyrannical dictator. The 14th Amendment isn't going to protect you from a tyrannical dictator, but the Second Amendment can. And the question that you need to ask yourself when you're, when, as these elections are approaching is, have you ever seen a body of people who lost that right to, de to defend themselves 
who got it back without lives being lost. Once that Second Amendment is taken away from us, it's going to cost a lot of lives to get it back. And and for that matter, if the Second Amendment is lost and a tyrannical dictatorship happens, a lot of lives are probably going to be lost anyways. So it's these things that our elections hinge on. And yeah, you got a lot of open you got a lot of openings coming up. That means you're not even necessarily having to spend a lot of money if you're not running against somebody. It's time to take a stand and step up. These lower forms of government in the local communities are also where you can have an opportunity to cut your teeth if you if you have aspirations of going to the assembly, the senate or something federal. This is an excellent opportunity for us to start plugging in pro-Second Amendment people into local and state government. CRPA is working with with our chapters uh, to try and get as much information on everybody running as possible. You can help with that. All that takes is maybe some time on your phone. Who's running for my local water board or school board? But for us to be able to put that out in our voter guide is going to be immensely helpful when people are looking for this information going to the ballot box. You know, Kevin, I want to touch on something you said, you know, when you were talking about our rights to defend and and the importance of that, you know, you hear President Biden, and I'm just going to call him out, uh, mock the American people like, well, what are you going to do with your rifle against a F-16, you know, and, and, and throw that out, you know, if your government gets out of control. And I'm going to point out two things, folks. Ironically, wait, let's just take Ukraine. The Ukrainian people are facing MiGs, which are the same thing from the, the, the Russians that are made. And how are they facing them? Oh, with small arms that America has sent to the people to use. I mean, granted, there's some bigger stuff, but I mean, the fight on the ground against Russian soldiers was done with small arms that were made in America, sent there to help them out. So, Folks, when it's convenient for the federal government and for Biden, he's sending, you know, semi-automatic and automatic firearms around the world. But then he tells his own people, oh, those don't do anything. So which is it? And we can obviously see people with the intent to stop a foreign power from coming in. But also look to what just happened in, in Gaza and in Israel. You know, you had people in the kibbutzes that when a month ago the invasion started, there was one man who was able to get to a pistol, a revolver, who was able to stop four of the terrorists from getting through the front gate. So this idea that when we have so many people that have illegally crossed the border, when our own government says a lot of them are, you know, terrorist connected, and, and we know, like, oops, we let them in, they're here already, um, law enforcement, they're not going to get there until after the bad things happen. It's going to be people like you and your loved ones who have a firearm that can, can be the deterrent or can stop the bad thing from getting worse. And that's something I want to close in with today, folks. We have a Senate bill, too, that will be going into effect on January 1st. For those of you who have sat on the fence, should I or should I not get a CCW? Here in the Inland Empire in Orange County in L.A. where you can hear this show, go Stop the moment this show's over. Stop. Go online to your sheriff's department in San Bernardino, Riverside, Orange, or LA County. Go to the CCW page and start your form. Start the process now because then you're grandfathered in and will have certain protections to your CCW. But if you wait until after January 1st, you're going to be like a lot of the people were 
um, in some of these bad places in the rest of the world, you waited too long. And so I cannot encourage you strongly enough. I'm not trying to scare you, but I'm just trying to say there's no excuse. There's no better time than now to open up that page and fill out that form. And all four sheriffs in those counties would tell you the same thing. Yeah, I guess it is important to know that we we do have a lawsuit against SB2. So hopefully uh, we can have an injunction before it actually comes into place. But, Rick, I think you're act, you're absolutely right. If you have been thinking about doing this, uh, the only and you haven't yet, the only barrier is your mind. It, it is absolutely attainable. The the uh, the training is out there and available and the process is not that hard to go through once once you understand what it is. And these training providers help you with that process. So if you haven't done that, you definitely want to just in case there's no injunction and you can get grandfathered in. That's going to be really important as we continue and see, especially in California, with the legislature we have, the, the crime rates are on the rise. You want to be able to protect yourself. So get in that queue now. And for those of you that don't know where to start to go look for the train, you can contact our office to ask to talk to the training manager, Jerry Clark. You can reach out at contact at crpa.org, and they will direct you to where you can get to training so you can get that because CRPA wants you to always be trained and always know have the knowledge base that you need. Folks, one thank you for being on the show today, Kevin, and, and talking to everybody about the legislation coming up. I encourage all of you to become more informed, spend time on the website, become a member. And as I say each and every week, remember, be safe, shoot straight, and fight back for your rights here in California. When you have to shoot, shoot, don't talk. The Firing Line Radio Show has been brought to you by Turner's Outdoorsman, CCW Safe. Cutting Edge Bullets, Vortex Optics, Vortex, The Force of Optics, and by the California Rifle and Pistol Association. Hi folks, Philip Naiman. If you're a concealed handgun carrier or have a firearm to defend your home and are forced to use your weapon for self-defense or the protection of a loved one, you'll be glad to have CCW Safe on your side. CCW Safe provides and pays 100% upfront defense funds for high-quality attorneys, expert witnesses, and the investigators you need following a critical incident with no reimbursement. And they do it all for one flat yearly fee starting at $179 a year. CCW Safe has permit and non-permit plans to protect California residents in this state and while traveling across the country. So check out their new ultimate plan with no caps on criminal and civil defense, $1 million for bond coverage, a dedicated million dollars for civil liability, and many other benefits. You defend your life. CCW Safe will defend your freedom and financial future. In California, CCW Safe has got you covered. So join now at CCWSafe.com. AM 590, the answer. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.